It's my good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? I've been blessed over the past three weeks uh, traveling to uh, the beautiful nation of Indonesia and Singapore. Um, that's, those are my uh, childhood places where I grew up. And so I was, I was very blessed. Uh, I was there actually uh, with a one-year planning of celebrating my uh, parents' uh, 50th year wedding anniversary. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really very blessed because we were able to do it because there was so much challenges of uh, doing it with your parents because as you guys know, parents are very unique, right? You know, you plan something and they refuse to follow your plan and we were nervous because, you know, we have already deposited a, a large sum of money uh, to book uh, in Labuan Bajo. Uh, to those of you who have never been to Labuan Bajo, highly recommended to go to that place. It's, I think, one of the most spectacular places in the world. Uh, and so we, we paid a lot of money. My, my dad doesn't want to go. Uh, but to cut the long story short, they were able to come uh, and we were able to celebrate and surprise them uh, on their 50th year anniversary. So I'm very grateful for that. Uh, also just came back from uh, the IFJF conference in Bandung. Always, as always, very spectacular. A lot of good words, a lot of revelation. Uh, and hopefully over the next few months, uh, we can unpack that here in, in our local church too. Amen. Uh, the other thing also I want to share with you, I know that a lot of us are traveling, more than 50% of our church congregation are gone, including myself too, our whole family have been gone for three weeks and I know a lot of families uh, are still traveling, so uh, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, in spite of so many people traveling and the church look empty, I just want to remind you that there are new people here today. Amen. Even this morning alone, after missing for three weeks in action, I get to meet, uh, you know, Emmanuel uh, from Hungary. Yes. Uh, welcome, Emmanuel. Yes. <clears throat> and then we have uh, Adrian uh, move here from Atlanta, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, not a newcomer, but... Uh, a person that's been here, but she just came back from Philippines. Cecilia is here too. So, come on guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people are traveling. The, the church looks empty, but there are new people here. I know that there are probably a, a few more new people that I have not uh, encountered. So, please uh, stay back after church. I would like to personally say hello and welcome you to Aja Seattle. Amen. Uh, I just want to do a plug, a little bit more plug-in for Pastor Rajan, Benedict Rajan, that is coming in two weeks. He is a very special man in my life. Uh, he has been a mentor, a spiritual father for me, for Kelsey, and for IFGF Seattle for about 20-something years. Uh, so, you know, as you guys, maybe some of you who have been here for more than 10 years, uh, you know that we went through a big transition uh, about 10 years ago, and Pastor Rajan was with me, uh, walking with me, uh, praying with me, advising me, uh, giving me the heart, heart, conversation about leadership, about church, about transition. And so um, a lot of people are very, very blessed by Pastor Rajan. I don't know how many of you, I, I don't want you to take it for granted because we have a lot of complaints, a lot of complaints from other IFGF churches to me saying why Pastor Rajan always say yes to IFGF Seattle and always say no to other churches. Because when you invite Pastor Rajan, he will not automatically say yes. Okay? So when we send our invitation to Pastor Benedict Rajan, he will take time to pray. And if the Lord said yes to go to Seattle, then he will say yes to us. So the fact that he's coming in 2023, we are very blessed, which means that God wants to speak to the, the people here in IFJF Seattle. So please come. Okay? The last time he was here was 2018, right? 19, right? Uh, he was here in 2019, the last time, and people were so blessed, and I'm not trying to scare you, that's why we break it down into two different groups. People are so blessed that they waited from here on the stage, people are lining up until the, the lobby, and we asked them, like, you just can go, go you know, have your lunch, come back again. Pastor Rajan will be here to pray for you, he will wait for you. People refused to leave for lunch, okay? Some of them waited for two hours, some of them waited for three hours, four hours, standing here waiting for him to pray. So please, guys, don't take it for granted. Uh, he is here, he is sent by God, he has blessed me so tremendously, so I don't want you to miss it. 
okay? Because it's so hard to get him to come, you know? So that's, that's my plug for Pastor Benedict Rajan. Please uh, put in in your calendar. Uh, make sure you come. Everybody uh, from our church are welcome. And then we are opening to public uh, on the Sunday. So everybody else outside of the church are welcome on Sunday for him to pray. And, you know, he's amazing. He's probably about 70 years old now, and he will never miss anyone. Everyone that waited to pray, he will pray for you, no matter how much time he will take. Okay, so please come. So today, I want to finish up with our sermon series called Free From Chain. I don't know how many of you know that even though you are Christians, you are saved by Christ, but you are not free. Many Christians, they are saved, but they are not free. Because I found out in my own journey that freedom can only be found in one person only, and that is Jesus Christ alone. Freedom cannot be found in our own effort. Freedom cannot be found in our own, uh, you know, religious rituals and in the cultural setting that we are in. Freedom can only be found in the person of Jesus. So today, the, uh, the sermon title is Freedom can only be found in the person of Jesus. I'm so creative, guys. See, three weeks in, in Indonesia, this is what I got, okay? So, how many of you have uh, listened to church announcement like Pastor Kismet's uh, making the announcement? You know, here are some funny announcements, okay? I want to share with you some of the top four funny church announcements. Here you go. It says, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. It's, uh, you know, it, it builds up, right? It builds up. The fasting and prayer conference includes meals. <laughs> I like this one, I like this one. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale, the garage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget... Bring your husbands. <laughs> Here's another one. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Jesus come to die for you and for me, not only to give you salvation from hell unto heaven, but He comes so that to set you free so that you can have a victorious life. You can have a wholesome life. However, like this verse says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That statement alone gives you a hint that even though Christ has come to set you free, a lot of Christians, they let themselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. That's why the Bible said, do not let yourself, which means that you and I, we are letting ourselves to be under the yoke of slavery. You, you understand what I'm trying to say, right? So here, I want to share with you uh, a story that was written by the Apostle Paul. You know, I love this verse, and I, I know that I've, I've probably shared this personally with hundreds of people over the past several years. I probably have preached it. I love it because this revelation sets me free as a Christian. You know, when I was a Christian, before this revelation, I felt like I was a condemned Christian. You guys know what's, what is a condemned Christian? It means that even though you are in Christ, even though you have received salvation, but you still live your life in fear, in condemnation, in judgment, and in guilt. In such a way that many Christians, when we ask them, if you die tonight, would you be accepted by Jesus and go to heaven? How many of you know what are the common, most common Christian answers to that question? They don't know. They don't know. And I'm so sad to hear that Christian in the relationship of Jesus, after what Jesus had done on the cross, the answer to those Christians is, I don't know. I don't know if I die tonight, I will go to heaven. I don't know if I'm accepted by Jesus. I don't know. 
How many of don't, don't lift up your hand because we're going to have lunch, you know. Uh, but if you have this fear in your life, if you have this condemnation in your life, please tell it to Pastor Rajan in two weeks and let him deal with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm still jet lagged, guys. I'm still jet lagged. I just came back a few days ago, okay? So, but what I want to say is that it is a very sad statement by a lot of Christians, including myself. When I was younger, before I received this revelation, I felt the same way too. I felt like what, no matter how much I, I did, no matter how much I, I put in the effort, I never felt enough. I never felt like I am qualified enough to go to heaven. And I don't have the assurance of heaven. I don't have the assurance of the love of Jesus. So today, I want to read to you. I hope you, don't, you guys don't mind. I think over the next 10, 15 minutes, we're just going to dive into this verse in Romans chapter 7. And we're just going to read passages, okay? Instead of me babbling, how about we read the passages and let the Word of God, the living Word of God, speak to you. Let me tell you just one more thing, okay, before we... I was reading this on my bed, okay? I was reading Romans 7 on my bed during my devotion. When I was reading this, I read this in a, about three different translations. You know, I read in the MSG version, the Message Bible, right? Uh, the, I read it in the NIV version and I read it in the uh, NASB version. After reading in three translations, I received a revelation. I literally shout and jump out of my bed. You can ask Kelsey. She was like so, so like, what going, what's going on, you know? Because I got it. I finally got it. Is that our relationship with Jesus does not depend on you and on me, but our relationship with Jesus just depended on Jesus and Jesus alone. And this will release you and this will free you from any judgment and condemnation. Okay, are you guys ready? So Romans chapter 7, I'm going to read this in the MSG version, of course, right? The Message Bible. So this is Paul uh, talking about a peek of, into the life of the great, great Apostle Paul. I don't know how many of you know the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 66% of the New Testament it was written by the Apostle Paul. So he's a great apostle. You know, and, uh, but Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter 7, he was being transparent in his struggle, okay? In his struggle, in his faith journey, uh, he was bonded by the stronghold of sin. He was just being very transparent and he penned this Romans chapter 7. This is not Paul talking about the way he used to be, okay? When he was Saul. I, I, I don't want to tell you a lot about the story of Saul and Paul because, uh, you know, that's for another sermon. Uh, but Saul used to be a very anti-Christ. He, he had the motivation to kill, torture, torment Christians. He go from churches to churches trying to persecute Christians. This wasn't talking about that Saul. This was talking about the Apostle Paul when he was already the Apostle, okay? What I was trying to say is that this, what he was panning, pertains to you and me, Christians, this is relevant to Christians, okay? So here you go. In Romans chapter 7, I want to read to you from verse 21 to 23 first. It says this. This is his cry. He says, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. What happens so regularly? His sinful nature. He fall. He trip. He had a guilt. He has condemnation. He felt he wasn't enough. This thing happens so regularly. Okay, I don't know how many of you relate to this as a Christian, that it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me join in that delight. Part of me covertly rebel just when I least expect it, they take charge. So I don't know how many Christians in this room struggle with sin, struggle with bondages, struggle with addiction, struggle with weaknesses, struggle with condemnation, struggle with guilt. It happens so regularly. Paul in his writing gave us a hint why. Why it happens so regularly even 
to the most best Christian like the Apostle Paul. Here you go. The law that was supposed to be good, the law of God, the command of God, the Ten Commandments, was supposed to be good, but it wasn't supposed to be fulfilled by you and me. This becomes a burden for a lot of Christians, thinking that the law of God was for us to be fulfilled. No, the law of God was not for you to be fulfilled, but Jesus to be fulfilled. That's why He came to fulfill the law of God, right? And then He says this, it was beneficial for us, the law of God is beneficial for you and for me as a guiding post to tell you what is right and what is wrong with your life. The law of God was supposed to be the, 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 uh, the, the what do you call that? The, uh, uh, the one by the sea? The lighthouse. The law of God was supposed to be like the lighthouse that points to the Savior. The law of God was not supposed to condemn you. The law of God is not supposed to trap you. The law of God is not supposed to put you in bondage. The law of God was supposed to tell you that you are not able and you need a Savior. That is the function of the law of God. But a lot of Christians, we are trying to fulfill the law of God instead of turning our focus to the Savior of the law of God. You understand what I'm trying to say? Let's continue reading, okay? Uh, but it says this, it was beneficial to us as our guiding light to separate right from wrong, but sin has a way to pervert the law. It is sin that pervert the law. The law was good, but sin was the one who perverted it and seduced it to make it look like it is good for you. Okay? And then it says, sin has a way to pervert the law and deceive us into temptation that created condemnation. And condemnation binds us into the prison of sin. That's where a lot of Christians are. They are safe, but they are still in the prison of sin. Romans chapter 7, continue, okay? No, actually, we move back, move back a few verses, uh, verse 10 to 12. It says this, The law code started out as an excellent piece of work. Here's the revelation, okay? Here's the revelation. Once you receive today's revelation, you will never be in the bondage of religiosity and you will never be cursed under the ritual of your religion. You'll be set free to really worship the one true God that deserves all of our honor and glory. Okay, let's go, go back. The law code started out as an excellent piece of God. God intended the law to be good for you and for me. What happened though, was that sin found a way to pervert the command into temptation, making a piece of forbidden fruit out of it. The law code, instead of being used to guide me, was used to seduce me. How many of you have kids? I know, I know some of you don't have kids, right? You know when you have little kids, and when you tell these kids, like, please, don't touch the glass on the fireplace because it's hot. Guess what the kid will do? Yeah, the kid suddenly will look into the glass. The kid wasn't even paying attention to the glass before you say it, right? The kid was just playing. He's been living there, she's been living there for four years, she's never paid attention to the glass. But as soon as you tell them that the glass is hot, don't touch it, what happened to the kid? Now suddenly the kid is paying attention to the glass. Now suddenly the kid wants to touch the glass. The same with the law code, okay? He says that the law code, instead of being used to guide me, was used to seduce me, you know? Without all the paraphernalia of the law code, sin looked pretty dull and lifeless. And I went along without paying much attention to it. You know, how many of you know when your parents say, don't gamble? You know, my parents always say, Irwan, don't gamble. Because when you are addicted to gambling, no matter how much mountain of wealth you are given, it will be flat to the ground. He said, don't gamble. You know, and I, I'm, I don't like gambling, honestly. It's, it has no interest. But as soon as I land in Las Vegas, 
Suddenly, all of this sin, seduction, with all the paraphernalia, all the lights, the ding 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 ding. Suddenly, I want to try it. Suddenly, I'm sitting there in my blackjack table, not even knowing what's going on. You know, he said, "Hit!" No, 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 no. And then they pass me. He said, "Oh, oh, you mean hit? Meaning give me more cards? I thought you want to hit me." I said, "No." <laughs> you want to hit? Like, no, 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 no. I don't want to get hit. And then they pass to the next. Like, what? I'm only a, an eleven. I need one more card. You know, suddenly. It becomes so attractive, but without paying attention to it, sin is dull. You understand? And I went along without paying much attention to it, but once sin got its hand on the law code and decked itself out in all that finery, I was full and I fell for it. The very command that was supposed to guide me into life was cleverly used to trip me up, throwing me headlong. So sin was plenty alive, and I was stone dead. But the law code itself is God's good and common sense, each command sane and holy counsel. The law of God wasn't our enemy. It's sin that is our enemy. But I don't know how many of you like to make friends with sin, and hated the law of God. It's the opposite, guys. You should be friend with the law of God and enemy with the sin. Okay? I thought of that dance that I used to do, but it's okay. It's on YouTube now. Okay? But here's the thing that I, I really love about, about Paul. Okay? Paul had this struggle. Paul know that you are tripped up by sin. You are tripped up by the temptation of the world. So what should we do, right? The question is like, what are the steps for me to overcome all of this sin? What are the steps for me to get freedom? The question is not what, guys. Your question is not what. The, your question is not the steps, the hows. The question is the who. Let's read, okay? Romans 7, verse 24. He says, this is Paul again, crying out. He said, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. But this question is very profound to me. He said, is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Maybe you have, and again, I'm not trying to discount or, or um, say bad things about counselor or therapist or anything like that. They are good. They, they will be helpful. But without knowing the person of Jesus, without encountering the person of Jesus, without putting your focus on the person of Jesus, I don't think you can find true freedom. There might be help. It might ease your pain. Medication might ease your pain. But it will never, never heal you from the root of the problem that you are experiencing until you found it in the person of Jesus. And then verse 25, and this is profound. He says, the answer. Finally, he got revelation. Paul, with all of the struggle, you know, you, you, you read it from Romans chapter 6. He was already struggling from Romans chapter 6, 7, right? And then he says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradiction where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. So come on, my brothers and sisters, I know you want to serve God. I know the law of God is good for you. I know God is good for you and God has been good to you. But what has been pulling you out from serving Him? from worshipping Him, from really loving Him, is that you are still using your own mind, effort, intelligence, and whatever it takes in you to build that relationship while the relationship is already built by what Jesus had done for you. Okay? Once he received this revelation, Paul was free. He was set free. And that's why he penned Romans chapter 8, which is a very famous, uh, another scripture, right? Romans chapter 8, he says this in verse 1. He says, therefore, okay, I'm not an English major. I'm not very good at English. As you can tell, my English is very strong. 
Okay, okay, okay. I grew up in Singapore. You know, uh, my 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 kids. Uh, you know, last week was so fascinating. Said, Dad, I want to see you turn on your Singaporean language, your Singlish. I tried, but it's somehow not there anymore. You know. And then I met with our middle school friends. You know, and then they were talking very very strong Singlish. And then my sons is like, Come on, Dad, show, take out all your Singlish. I was like, Hey, you know. I'm very happy lah here. You know, I try my best. But my singlish is so mixed up now. You know, I'm so sad. Because singlish is supposed to be the world language in the next decade, you know. <laughs> but, but, in my limited English, when there is a word, therefore, I know this is a consequential word. Which means that it is referring to something before that. Am I correct? Uh, yeah? So when you say therefore, that means it's a Conclusive word that means that something had happened, and therefore this is my statement. Okay, and it says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, the apostle Paul was so condemned, was so struggling, was so in bondages, was under the yoke of slavery, but now he said, I know it now. It is not the how, it is not the what, it is not the steps, it is not my strength, it is not my effort. It is only in Jesus, only in the person of Jesus, only what He had done for me. Now, I have no condemnation. Hallelujah! Now when I tell you, are you still condemned? Not sure yet, after 20 minutes of me shouting. Are you still condemned, my brothers and sisters? No! Is it because you are perfect? No. It is because Jesus is perfect. That's why you are no longer condemned. Uh, am I done? No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> verse 2. Verse 2. Very exciting. Very exciting. Because through Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, not through your own effort, not through your own studies, not through your own smartness, not through your own devotion, no. It is through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. In Christ Jesus. So today, if you fall asleep over the past 15 minutes, I just want you to remember one word. What's the one word? Jesus. Okay? So now is a, time, a good time to nudge your friend. Jesus. If this person has fallen asleep over the past 10, uh, 10 minutes, he will be confused. Like, what? <laughs> Not yet. Like, Jesus. Oh, don't, don't, don't yell at your friend, Jesus. <laughs> like, wake up. For Christ's sake. You know. <laughs> in, in Romans 6.14, I was just saying, for you are not under the law, but you are now under grace. Matthew Henry commentary said this. This is a very good uh, summary of what I was saying over the past 10 minutes. He says this, For the proof of which he here shows that a man under the law and not under grace may be and is under the dominion of sin. The law may discover sin and convince of sin, but it cannot conquer and subdue sin. Witness the predominancy of sin in many that are under the very strong legal convictions. It discovers the defilement, but will not wash it off. It makes a man weary and heavy laden, burdens, with, in, uh, burdens him with his sin, and yet if rested in, it yields no help towards the shaking off of that burden that is to be had only in Christ. You know, I've heard a lot of Christians say, like, Oh, Pastor, I'm so burdened. I'm so heavily laden. I'm so stressed. My mood swing is like so big, you know, like a Mount Rainier. Sometimes you're at the top of Mount Rainier, so fantastic, so victorious. And then sometimes this Christian is so at the bottom of the valley that it is so deflated, it is so defeated. Why this burden? Because you are making it under the legal conviction rather than under the grace of Christ alone. The law is good. 
so that we may know right or wrong. I always tell you that the law is like the mirror. You know, the law can tell you. You know, ladies, if you have a, a, a lipstick on your teeth, the the mirror can tell you, like, hey, don't go out doing that. Your boyfriend might, you know, tease you and leave you, you know. <laughs> but the mirror can never wipe away the lipstick. It can only tell you what's wrong with you. It can tell you that, no, 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 that's not right. You know, and makes you feel guilty, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> Until somebody wipe your lipstick, it will never be washed away. The law is like that. The law tells you what's wrong with you. But the law can never help you overcome it. Okay? So what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve what Jesus had done on the cross. But by God's grace, we receive what we don't deserve. Forgiveness, love, acceptance, hope, and eternal life. He's not here to condemn you. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to find faults and punish you, but His love and action sets you free. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to be set free. I want you to receive freedom. So from today onwards, let us be a Christian that is Christ-centered, not sin-focused. Let's be Christ-centered and not sin-focused. Because if you don't give sin, it's food. It looks pretty dull. Okay, I was addicted to smoking, you know. I know, I know, the Bible never says about smoking, but I, I know that smoking is bad for me, for my lungs and all that stuff. But I was so addicted, you know. I, I smoked like almost one pack a day. Uh, because in Singapore, it's still cheap at that time, you know, to smoke. But once I moved to, to America, I began to rethink about smoking because it's so expensive, right? Uh, but... But anyway, it's not about the, the money issue. It's just that I was so addicted to smoking that I can't hardly overcome it. You know, I want to cut it with all of my effort. I did it. I did cold turkey once, you know. For three months, I've not smoked. And then suddenly, I hang out with my friend. And then this is the craziest thing, you know. If you have friends like this, you abandon them, you know. Like, he knows, you know. This friend knows that I struggled with smoking. I had overcome it for three months. I've not smoked one single cigarette for three months, suddenly he said, come on, Irwan, last one. <laughs> so I can throw the pack. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's okay, I help you. <laughs> yeah, I sacrifice for you. I will smoke. The moment I smoke, suddenly sin doesn't look dull anymore. Cigarette doesn't look dull. When I take the first puff, holy, oh, gosh, this is good. <laughs> And then what happened next? I buy my own packs. Yeah, and then I tell him, come on lah, my last one, you know. So, don't give sin its footing because otherwise it will look so attractive, okay? Don't reject the law too. Don't think that God's law is bad for you. I hate God's law. It's always a don't do this, don't do that, don't... God's law is to protect you. God's law is to build boundaries to protect you. Come on. Who is clapping? Very good. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> because the opposite of grace is not law. The opposite of grace is the absence of grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He doesn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. Okay. Romans 8. This is after the revelation from Paul. Romans 8, verse 3 to 4. It says, For what the law could not do. Remember? You can tell you, hey, there's lipstick on your teeth. Weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, not by us. Okay, a lot of Christians might misread that. The fulfillment of the law is done in us, not by us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I want to end with this. Okay, this is very quickly. And then I jump to Hebrews chapter 10. Then I realize that only Jesus alone can fulfill every of our salvation and freedom and condemnation. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, Christ alone, His sacrifice alone, that one sacrifice alone 
is sufficient for all of us. Okay, Hebrew chapter 10, very quickly. For the law, again, since it had only a shadow of the good things to come, the law is not the thing that we are waiting for. The law is only a shadow of the good things to come. Not the very form of the things can never by the same sacrifice which they offer continually year after year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not cease to be offered? Because the worshiper, having once been cleansed, will no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of the bull and goat to take away sin. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest will go into the most holiest place and he will pour out the blood of the bull, the blood of the lamb, okay, onto the uh, tabernacle, right? Uh, into the tabernacle. It will pour out this blood. And there is a cherubim looking down. And the cherubim symbolizes the angel of God, the presence of God looking down. So when the blood is being poured into the, the tabernacle, it's covered by the blood. So whatever is inside the tabernacle, the angel of God couldn't see it because it's covered by the blood. However, the blood of the animal, it, it, it will fade away, right? The blood of the animal will fade away. As soon as the blood of the animal fades away, the angel can see what's inside. And inside of the tabernacle, there's three things. Aaron's rod, the Ten Commandments, and manna. Right? These three things is a symbol of man's disobedience, man's disability, and man's sin. So when the blood of the animal fades away, the priest has to come back again and pour the blood again so that the angel could never see man's disability, man's disobedience, and man's sin. And they have to do it over and over again. If that, that blood fades and the priest has not put the blood back, then every of the believers will have a consciousness of sin and they will feel condemned again. So something is wrong with this process, don't you think? Listen, verse 8. First, he said, sacrifices and offering, burnt offering, sin offering, you did not desire. Nor were you pleased with them. Our effort never pleased God. Though they were offered in accordance with the law, whatever you do, that is not what pleased God. What pleased God is what Jesus had done for you. That's what pleased God. Okay? And then he said, though they were offered in accordance with the law, then he said, here I am, I've come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What Jesus had done, done, is completed, is able to do it all. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. That's why a lot of church builders, church ministers, church volunteers, they are tired because they are standing day by day, pouring out things that doesn't matter. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, which is Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of God. The priest stand. How many of you know when you are standing, that means you are working. You are not rested. But when you are sitting, that means you are rested. That means done. So what Jesus had done for us on the cross is done because he sat after he made that sacrifice. While the priests, on the other hand, are doing their religious rituals every day. They are standing, they are tired. How many of you have heard a Christian say, I'm burned out, pastor. I'm burned out. I'm burdened. I'm tired. I need a break. I thought you would break last week. Yeah, I need a break again. Because I just came back to church one day. Because why? Because they are not understanding the revelation of the gospel of Jesus. He says, verse 13, Since that time, he waits for his enemy to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We, you and I, we are made perfect forever. We are not being made perfect on Sunday only because you are in church. And on Friday when you're like, ding, 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 then it's not perfect. Then your salvation is like up and down. No, you are made perfect forever by that one sacrifices of Jesus. He's not coming back again to die on the cross. Flash news. He comes back again 
to take you up with him to heaven. He's not coming back. Like, oh no, I'm sorry. My first sacrifice 2,000 years ago in the, on the cross, not enough. Oh no. I need to die again for you. Maybe next year I'll come back again and die again for you. No. No, 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 no. He's done. He's done. What he had done on the cross, done forever, once and for all. He's not coming back to die again. Now tell, let me tell you why this is so important to understand. Because if the truth be known, there are sometimes condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it never comes from God. It comes from Satan. It comes from the devil. Do you know what the word Satan means in Hebrew? Accuser. He's your enemy. Not God. Not the law of God. It's the devil. He's the accuser. He loves to fool us into believing that we are condemned. The devil wants to trap us into believing that we are so wretched that God doesn't want anything to do with us. I don't have enough time today to share my own wretchedness, my own story, how God is so good to me. Satan wants us to be like Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned. All they want to do was hide from God. Brothers and sisters, don't hide from God. Because God wants us to pursue us with His love, with His grace, and with His mercy. Let's approach God with reckless abandonment and shake off our pride and surrender ourselves to Jesus. This is the only way we can find true freedom because freedom can only be found in the person of Jesus. Let's all stand. So today, I know today is a little bit longer, right, than normal, because it's so important. I just want you to remember one thing, okay? One thing, one name. What's that name? What's that name? What's that name? All right, the usher will test you <laughs> before you leave. Just give the code word, Jesus, and then they will let you home, okay? I want us to pray today. If there are any of you here that feel that I'm never enough, I'm never qualified. God doesn't want to have anything to do with me because I'm just so wretched, I'm just so useless, I'm just so far off. No, no, no. God's love pursues you. God's love pursues you even in the valley. He's pursuing you. Even how much condemned you are, how much bad things that you had done, how your, you know, your background, your, your past, your family, whatever circumstances that you're going through, it might look like it's condemned. But the sacrifice of Jesus is enough. It's enough. So today as we sing this song, as we worship Him, I want you to be Jesus-focused, would you? Shift your focus to Jesus and just surrender yourself with this reckless abandonment. No pride, God. No pride. I just want to surrender myself to you. I just want to focus on you and you, Lord Jesus. Because I know that my true freedom can only be found in Jesus alone. Hallelujah. Would you just praise God? Go ahead. Yes, Lord. Just allow this time to, for you to be ministered by the Spirit of God. The Spirit that gives you life. The spirit that gives you freedom. Oh yes, Lord. Only one name. Only one name. No other name. Oh yes, Lord.
of the gospel that it is not about what can we do it is not about how strong we are it is not how we have improved ourselves it is not how much we have changed to satisfy the requirements of the law it is not about that because true freedom can only be found in the person of Jesus therefore today Father God I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in this place let there be no more condemnation in each and every one of you because what Jesus had done on the cross is more than enough for, for you and for me oh Lord oh Lord I pray to those of us who are still feeling that they are in bondages that they have no freedom that they are feeling guilt that they are feeling condemned let them shout out the name of Jesus oh Jesus 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 for the word of God says those that call upon the name of Jesus they shall be saved oh yes Lord let us be a community that is Jesus focused and not law centered oh Jesus we want to pray oh Jesus we want to pray that you will minister to every one of us that you will reveal yourself personally to every one of us Father God there is freedom in the house this morning oh in the presence of God there is freedom yes Christ has come to set you free and when he has come to set you free you are free indeed there is no other name there is no other name call upon the name of Jesus would you just call upon the name of Jesus call upon the name of Jesus and you shall be saved you shall be saved. Oh, Ramashir, Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Call upon the name of Jesus. Call upon the name of Jesus. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Call upon the name of Jesus. There is freedom in the house this morning. There is freedom in you. There is freedom in you. There is freedom in you. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Yes, each and every one of you. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. with you all over this room let's lift our hands up and surrender to God your life belongs to God and in Christ Jesus there is freedom amen there is freedom there is salvation there is forgiveness of sin there is love there is acceptance yes each and every one of you let's lift up our hands Heavenly Father thank you so much Lord for the Word of God thank you for affirming each and every one of us that we are loved that we are accepted, that we are highly favored by you, Jesus, that none of our sin is greater than your grace, that what you have done 2,000 years ago on that cross is more than enough, Father God. One sacrifice forever has made us perfect. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that name. For there is no other name that is greater on this world where every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, Jesus, you are Lord. As we depart from here, Father God, may we bring the mercy from the throne of the Father, the love and grace through the Son, Jesus Christ, and the power that is within each and every one of you through the Holy Spirit be with you from today till eternity, till the second coming of Christ. And in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday, everyone. Thank you.